0: Hey, AM writers, y'all know and hopefully love our sponsor, Author Accelerator, and we have some good news. They've fully revised and updated both the fiction and non-fiction book coach certification programs. Turn your love of reading into a career you love with a self-paced program you can access from anywhere. With more than 100 hours of training, videos, case studies, and worksheets, Author Accelerator's program teaches you the key editorial skills client management strategies, and tools needed to help writers reach their goals and to help you start a thriving book coaching business. We've loved Author Accelerator for a long time, we trust them, they do really great work, and this is more than just an online course. You can take the skills you learn and apply them with real life clients through three practicums designed to help you practice helping authors go from confusion to clarity with their novel idea. Yeah, you can work with real writers, and it's terribly nerve-wracking, I hear, but I can tell you from the other perspective, it can be nerve-wracking for the author, too. Um, KJ has done this, and the author she worked with during one of her practicums just got a book deal with for that project, so this is real. To see this, if this work is right for you, Author Accelerator offers a $99 five-day challenge all about getting your business idea out of your head. onto the page but hashtag am writing listeners get it for half off head to bookcoaches.com slash podcast and enter the code podcast at checkout for 50% off bookcoaches.com slash podcast is it recording now it's recording yay go ahead this is the part where i stare blankly at the microphone try to remember what i'm supposed to be doing all right let's start over awkward pause to wrestle some papers. Okay, now one, two
1: three. Okay. Hey, writers, Serena here with a solo episode of Am Writing, the podcast about writing all the things short things, long things, fiction, nonfiction, pitches, and proposals. We're still the podcast about getting the work done, but we're changing it up a bit by heading back to basics. Each week on Substack, Either me, KJ Jass, or our new official co-host, Jenny Nash, will be doing a written post about fundamental writing and publishing questions, so you'll want to be subscribed. Do that at amwritingpodcast.com or search for us on Substack. Upcoming topics include the power of post-its, strategies for writing through challenging times, and plotting advice. Plus, we'll have some fresh interviews, too. Most weeks, you'll still get us right here in your pod player, but some weeks will be just in your inbox. So subscribe, and if you're a paid subscriber, please know we've paused payments while we freshen things up a bit to give you and us a breather. We'll keep you updated on that front. And now, today, I'm bringing you what I've gotten from being a good journaler of the things I read. In case you don't know it. My name is Serena, and I'm a bit obsessive about stationery products. I'm always on the lookout for a good excuse to buy new pens or a new notebook. But bear with me, because this one is 100% valid. Every year I buy a new reading journal and I use it well. And it's made me a better novelist. The journal itself is nothing special. It's a 200-page B5, or that's like composition book-sized, notebook where I keep track of all the books I've read. Or, in many cases, books I started and did not finish. I'm a big DNFer because life is short and there are too many books to cover. At the front of the journal, I keep a list of the gems, the books I want to recommend, and also a long list of things I might want to read. But 99% of the pages are given over to my thoughts about the books themselves. Sometimes I'll only write two lines, and sometimes I cover two pages. And when I first began tracking, My reading like this three years ago, I wasn't very precise about what I wrote down. It was only after I formed a structure for my notes that the process became truly useful to me as a writer. These days, I always note a few specific things. Here they are, and here is why they help. Item number one. After I note the title and the author, I always write down the genre. Okay, sue me, I actually have a cute set of self-inking stamps that flag the genre. A scary face for thrillers, a dinosaur for anything magical, and hearts for romance. But of course, it would work just as well to write thriller at the top of the page. And then, as I read, I make specific notes about the subgenre: Is it a domestic thriller? With romantic elements? Is it a romance with a subplot of suspense? We're always told that our books have to fit onto one specific spot on the bookshelf or they'll be unsellable but the more you force yourself to notice and write down that genres are fluid the smarter you will feel here's an example i love karen slaughter's book girl forgotten it's a procedural technically because the main character is a u.s marshal but here's the catch the book opens on literally her first day on the job so she doesn't actually know what she's doing. That's a really fun twist on procedural, which usually depends on watching somebody sleuth things in a very professional and meticulous way. So that genre is sort of flipped on its head here. And also there's an element of the crime that's deeply personal to her, which gives the book a more of a domestic feel, like girl with a problem vibe. So don't let them put you in a box, at least not until it's time to actually package the book. That's what I've learned by carefully noting things about the genre. So number two, I always make a note about the book structure. Is it a single POV or multi? Is it written in the first person or third? Or is there a blend? Do all the chapters take place in a linear timeline? I write down which characters have POVs as they occur. And the thing is, I've been reading novels for many decades now and I thought I was pretty well versed with all the possible structures. But by forcing myself to note them down, I see more about each book's structure than I ever had before. And once in a while, I learned some brand new tricks from a close analysis of structure. For example, the psychological thriller Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Roblet has such a diabolical structure that it kind of blew my mind. And it made me understand that playing with time in a very careful way, could, could bring all of the suspense in your entire book. So that was pretty cool. Number three, if I'm reading a plot driven book, you know, with elements of mystery or suspense, which is lots and lots of different genres, I always stop at the 35 or 50% mark to write down a few things like what do I think happened and how many suspects are there? I've learned that a surprising amount by doing this. Often there are about three or four suspects. And once in a while, I come upon a book with so many more, like The Last Party by Claire McIntosh. But what's really been interesting is how often I am correct about who the villain is. And then you'd think that my ability to guess the outcome of a book would actually hamper my enjoyment of it. But guess what? If I'm able to guess the suspect halfway through, it doesn't actually mean that the author failed or that the book wasn't suspenseful. The truth is actually the reverse. Some of the books where I figured it out early turned out to be my favorites because just because you have a hint about that thing early on doesn't mean the author can't get you to doubt it later. So that was a pretty cool thing I noticed is that maybe I had it figured out and then I changed my mind. And when when the author can make you change your mind, that's pretty cool. So making guesses like this has helped me understand what readers of plot-driven books are really there for to match wits with the author. And besides, a poorly executed twist is worse than no twist at all. Number four, I always write down the setting. I usually do this last, actually. And if I can get through a book and then have trouble remembering what city we were in, that is telling too. Number five, lately, I've been putting a three by three full stick post it on each book's page. And then in that square, I try to write down a couple of chapter openers on that sticky note, like the first sentence of a new chapter. And the reason I do that is that lately, that's just a thing that I have found difficult, like opening chapters in an efficient way that isn't boring. Now it's Tuesday, you know. So um, sometimes I enjoy seeing how other people did it. Sometimes I use that sticky note just for a particular turn of phrase that I enjoy or some other bit of writing that I appreciate. I guess the point of this exercise is to demystify great writing for myself. Sometimes the best writing is the simplest, and I could make myself crazy imagining that all effective writing sounds like Shakespeare. Number six, I often will write a little no-holds-barred review in just a few sentences. It's worth noting that nobody is ever going to see this book. It's just for me alone. So I don't have to save anyone's feelings when I write. Great setup, terrible execution, or saggy in the middle, couldn't stick the landing. But then the way to make this truly useful is to write down what I might have done differently myself or where the book went wrong. If you can solve that, it makes your thoughts as a critic so much more valuable. Because if you can't actually think of what would have saved the book, then, you know, that's valuable too. So, finally, I also try to jot down the book's main point or theme. Is this a book about trusting your community? Or about the lengths women will go for bodily autonomy? Or does this book ask how much we owe our families, etc.? I promise you that I don't write down every single one of these things for every single book that I read. But when I manage to dig in to my own reading in such a way that most of these questions are answerable, those become invaluable to me. And by forcing myself to view each novel from some of these frameworks, I have learned many valuable lessons about my own writing. If you're listening to this on your pod player, Please take a moment to stop by the show notes and subscribe. I will also be linking to any books that I mentioned in this episode. And I hope to see you in our Facebook group, the Am Writing group. Thanks so much. Signing off. And until next week, keep your butts in the chair and your heads in the game.
0: Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perilla. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work. This is KJ, and I feel, stop me if I'm wrong here, that perhaps you or someone you love would enjoy reading one of my books. You can't go wrong with the Chicken Sisters, a tale of rival fried chicken restaurants and rival sisters in a small town trying to solve all their problems via reality TV. Always a good idea. And many readers like In Her Boots even better. That one's a fun story about figuring out who you are, as opposed to who you think everyone wants you to be, But also delivers a literary hoax, a farm life, and an ex who can't seem to find the exit. Or give future you, or anyone you love, a lovely gift by pre-ordering Playing the Witch Card for next Halloween's witchy reading fun. Bookstores, people! Head to one now.